This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, friends. Boy, I'm so excited to share some time together with you this morning. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Kevin. I'm one of the pastors here at New Life, and it is my privilege to guide us for the next 35 minutes or so as we continue to engage with God. And if it's your first time here, here's something that you should know about our community. We believe that God moved heaven and earth. He did everything to break down every barrier that would keep us from encountering God. And we just talked about that with communion, that, that he did everything. Jesus left heaven and came to earth and he gave his life so that we could encounter God, have a relationship with God. He broke down the barriers. And so as a community of faith, we want to break down every barrier that would keep you from encountering God which is why we invite you every week. Make yourself comfortable. Make yourself at home. This is your place to connect with God. Bring in some coffee. Bring in some tea. Whatever you want to do to make yourself comfortable because we believe that God wants to engage and encounter you today. He wants to speak to you. He has something to share with you because God loves you and this day has been on his calendar for a long time. And whether it's your first time here or your hundredth time here, we're all on this journey together. And we always want to make sure that when we start out this teaching time, we're on the same page. So we give you a program, and inside are two tools that will help us get on the same page. The first is this card that says Start Here that you're going to want to grab. Uh, if you would just put your name on it, and if you're a guest with us, your email address on it. It's our connection card. It helps you stay connected to us and the things we're doing in the church, in the city, and around the world. And ultimately, as you connect with us at New Life, our hope and our prayer is that you will want to take steps in your faith. And this card is a way to help us stay connected to you to help you take some of those next steps because we want to be the church that partners with you to do that. And then each week, I give us opportunities to live out the things we're learning and take some next steps. And that's also on this card. So go ahead and grab that. The other thing you're going to want are these teaching notes inside. They've got the Bible verses we're looking at. They've got some fill in the blanks. And I'm going to ask us to go home and to do some thinking, to zoom out and to think this week before we head into the fall about some big picture questions in our lives and our families when it comes to our faith. So you're going to want to have those notes with you so you can continue the discussion with your spouse, with your housemates, with your kids as we get ready to go this week. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I love summer. I just, I love, I love everything about summer. I love the heat of summer. It's supposed to be a hundred degrees today and I'm a Southern California kid. That makes me very happy. Yeah, I don't know about you, for me, it ain't summer unless you can fry an egg on the sidewalk. Then it's summer. So it's going to be summer today. I love the lazy mornings of summer. We've got a daughter who's going into second grade and a son who's going into preschool. And during the school year, I need to get Maddie, our daughter, to school at 8.05. But when she's not in school, I don't have to get to work till 9 o'clock. And that extra 45 minutes is glorious. I love it. Uh, I love the fact that my weekend is Friday and Saturday, so with both of our kids out of school, that means I get an extra full day with my family. I love summer, and I especially love summer vacation. It's one of my favorite things to do. In fact, we just got back from four days of houseboating with three other families on Lake Shasta, and it was so fun. And if you know me, you've heard my stories, you know that I, I herniated a disc in my back a while ago, but I tend to be kind of a, a risk taker. I'm kind of on the edge of that, and so I promised my chiropractor uh, and I promised my wife that I would not take too many risks at Lake Shasta, and that lasted about a half hour. <laughs> because when I saw the top of the boat, it, it had some suggestions about whether or not you should jump off because of death and bodily harm, I took those into account. I weighed the options. It was such a fun jump, though, off the top of the boat. And my back was fine. 
You know, and then I went on the inner tube and, and a buddy of mine was driving the boat, the ski boat, and he's a Coast Guard captain. And apparently I have offended him at some point in my life because he was just trying to kill me on the tube. But just so we're all on the same page, he never knocked me off. I was, I, maybe once, maybe once, but I kind of owned him on the back of that tube. And my back felt fine, felt fine. Um, we, they had a, a kneeboard. And so I was on my knees for a while, but that seemed a little bit too benign. So I tried to stand up on the kneeboard, and I did it, by the way, uh, for like 10 seconds before I crashed. But I came up, back felt fine. And then there was a seventh grade girl on the trip, and she said, Kevin, would you go on the tube with me? So she laid down on the tube, and I was on my knees over her, kind of hanging on, and we were doing our thing. And at one point, we went down into a wave, and we came up, and we landed, and somehow I was coming down as she was coming up, and the top of her head smacked my chin, and I'm pretty sure she might have knocked me out for a second. It was stars. It was like someone with brass knuckles just punched me as hard as they could in the chin. I flew off, limp, came up holding my head, and uh, it was, it's been extremely painful for three days. Uh, and I actually was driving to work this morning, driving to the church. I looked in the rearview mirror, and my jaw is like over and up from where it should be. So if I'm smiling like this for the rest of the day, my jaw's all out of place. And my chiropractor is part of our church. After service, she actually did some tweaking of my jaw so I can speak correctly now, which is nice. All that to say, she confirmed something. The seventh grade girl confirmed something that I've long since— uh, suspected, which is that there's nothing more terrifying than a junior high girl, right? It's just like t- terrifying on all fronts. But I love summer. I just love it. But if you have kids in school, or if you're a college student, or if you work in the school system, you know something all too well. Summer is quickly coming to an end, and it's about to get real as we head into the fall. It's those lazy days, that relaxing, the vacation, it's about to be replaced by back to school night, soccer practice, music lessons, homework, Halloween's coming up, we got to get costumes, then we've got Thanksgiving, who's going to come, where are we going to go? And then we have Christmas in just 130 days, 130 days until Christmas. Now, before we freak out, and before we get too busy heading into the fall, because the fall is a busy time for all of us, As I was praying about our community, I just said, you know what? I want to zoom out for a week. We just wrapped up a really fun series uh, called Decoded that I just had a blast leading us through. Next week, we're starting a series called Weird, which I'll tell you about a little later, which is going to be so fun to take us through the fall. But I wanted to take one Sunday and just zoom out for a second and talk about our schedules. Because I believe that our schedules have the potential to be one of the greatest tools that God uses to transform our lives. And I know that sounds odd, but I think if you listen for the next 30 minutes with, with an open mind, I think that if we get creative, our schedules really do have the potential to be a transforming tool in our lives. See, most of us view our schedules as lists of things we have to get done. Drop off, pick up, grocery store, meetings, um, wash the kids, wash the husbands, sports, clean the house, work obligations, social obligations, all these things we have to do, have to do, have to do that are screaming at us all the time. But I heard a pastor preach about the power of a schedule recently, and he opened my eyes and he opened my mind to a new way to view our schedules. And that's our big idea for the morning. Here it is. My schedule should, I was going to say could, but I think it really is a should, should be far less about what I have to get done, about all those tasks. My schedule should be far less about what I have to get done 
far more about who I want to become. Far less about what I have to get done and far more about who I want to become. And I know some of us are sitting here thinking, boy, a calendar or a schedule, it doesn't seem like a very spiritual topic. Why are we talking about our calendars in church? But I would argue, I would say that next to your Bible, your calendar, in whatever form it takes, is the most holy book you own. Because our calendars are the place where we put into practice the things that we're learning in our Bible. Our calendars create the space for us to do the things that we know we want to do. So next to your Bible, I think your calendar, your schedule, is or could be the most holy book you own. Picture it this way. A schedule is kind of like a script for your life. If you look back at your calendar or your schedule for the past six months, it will tell you the script of your life. And you and I have the power to write that script however we want, simply by adjusting and thinking creatively about how we engage with our schedule. If you want to change the story of your life, you'll go a long way in changing that story by changing the activities on your schedule. So here's our question for the morning. Who do I want to become this fall? Who do I want to become? Because if we're not careful, we will just fall into the fall and we'll get going in the everyday routine of life and family and school and work and we never zoom out and ask the big picture, who am I becoming this fall? When I get to Christmas in four and a half months and I look back, who do I want to have become between August and December? In a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a group of brand new Jesus followers in a city called Ephesus, he actually talks a lot about the power of time and the power of our schedule. He says this in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15. He says to this group of Jesus followers, be careful how you live. Don't live as unwise people, but live as wise people. And I want you to circle or underline or put an emoticon next to verse 16 because we're going to come back to it. He says, make the most of every opportunity you have because these days are evil. Now let's pull over to the side of the road for a second. For the sake of our discussion today, you can frame and decide on evil however you want. Most of us will write evil as whatever is just outside of our fence of who we are, right? So we aren't evil. Everything else is evil. So that's fine. Write it however you want. But we can all agree that there are certain things in this world that should not be. Human trafficking is evil. Murder is evil. There are certain things that just are evil. And Paul's just saying this. In light of the fact that there is injustice and evil in the world, Jesus' followers should make the most of every opportunity that we have. Verse 17, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what God's plan is. You could say it this way. Paul is saying that each of us view time through certain lenses that we've grown up with. For example, I'm largely German. Finkbeiner is a strong German name. The rough translation of Finkbeiner is stork legs. Stork legs. It's a strong, it's a strong name. (laughs) Finkbeiner. Stork legs. And Germans are very time-oriented people. Long before 9-11, whenever we would take a trip and go on an airplane, we would be at the airport easily two hours before the plane took off. So when 9-11 hit and there were all these regulations, it was no problem for the Finkbeiners because the Finkbeiners are time-oriented people. 
When we had a holiday party, Christmas, Easter, whatever it was, if the party started at 5, the Finkbeiners were there at 4.55 knocking on the front door. We were time-oriented. 5 o'clock, cocktail hour. 6 o'clock, dinner. 7 o'clock, dessert. Presents at 7.30, out by 8. Done. That's how the Finkbeiners roll. We are time-oriented people. But then I travel around the world to places like the Dominican Republic where the people are largely relationally oriented. And here's what that looks like. Church, uh, parties, work, it starts when everyone shows up. Not so much at a certain time, but when everyone shows up. And I've been thinking, uh, as I watch us come into church, I think a lot of you are actually Dominican. You just don't know it. Like, I I never realized how multiracial our church really is. We have Dominicans all over the place. There are different lenses through West. So good. I've been waiting all week for that one. There are certain lenses through which we view time. And Paul is saying this to the Jesus followers. He's saying, if you're a Jesus follower, you have another lens on which to view your time. He says, make the most of every opportunity. Don't squander your time. Don't waste your time. Don't let time pass you by. Because time is a most valuable resource because it's our only resource that we have in continually decreasing qualities. Time is continually slipping through our hands, and once it's gone, we cannot gain it back. So he says, Jesus followers, be careful how you use your time. Make the most of it. Know what God's plan is for you and use it. And last week, as we wrapped up our Decoded series, We talked about the fact that God is so good and so loving and so extravagantly generous to us that not only does God save us, not only does God invite us to be his children, but God knows each of us uniquely and then he implants within us certain gifts and abilities and talents for us to manage for the good of the world. That's how good God is. He's like this this extravagant father who's just pouring out gifts on us. And some of you heard me talk about that last week, and you said, I I know what my gifts are. I know what my passions are. I know what I would love to do, but I'm at my margins. I'm at my capacity. I don't have time to do the things I want to do. And this is where a well-crafted schedule could be life-changing for you, because it takes the person that you want to be, and it helps you become that person. See, a well-crafted schedule helps us do what Paul said, which is make the most of every opportunity we've been given. And with all of that as our framework, I just want to give us three steps that we can look at this week to help us craft a schedule that could make our calendar next to the Bible the most holy book we own and a great tool that God can use for transformation. And the first step is this. We need to be asking that big question, who do I most want to become this fall? When you get to Christmas, which, by the way, is 187,200 minutes from today. So just, just so you know, it's sneaking up on us. My list will be on the church website very soon. When you get back to Christmas in four and a half months, and you look back on this fall, who do you want to become? Because I, I know human nature, because we aren't that different if we don't zoom out before the fall and start asking this question, we will get into the fall, get into the routine, get going, and we will never stop to ask. And we'll get to 
Christmas and we'll be the same person we were today. So who do you want to be? And here's the great thing about that question. That question is as varied as the individuals in this room. I can't answer this question for you. Only you can answer this question for you. Maybe for you, you want to become a more engaged spouse. You want to just have a better relationship. You look at your marriage and you think, we're in a rough spot right now, and this fall could be the make or break moment for us. I want to become a more engaged spouse. Or maybe you think, you know what? Our marriage is really good right now, but I think we could have a great marriage. And becoming a more engaged spouse will help us have that great marriage. Who do you want to become? Maybe you want to become a better leader at work. Maybe God is opening doors for you in your workplace to have more influence, and you want to become a leader who can influence an organization. Maybe you want to become more literate in the Bible. In four and a half months, you want to be able to look back and say, I understand what God is saying now in the Bible. I want to become more literate so that I can take the truths of God's word, translate them into my life, and experience the freedom God has for me, and then I can lead our family well. Maybe you want to become more literate in the Bible. Who do you want to become? Maybe you want to become less hurried. Maybe when I said 187,200 minutes till Christmas, you just freaked out internally, and you thought, I can't do another Christmas like I've done Christmases for the last 20 years. I can't do it. i got to slow down. Who do you want to become? Maybe you want to become a person who's addiction-free in four and a half months. Maybe you're tired of living under the leadership of an addictive substance that is limiting your ability to function in freedom and that's hurting those around you. Again, I can't answer this question for you. But I'm going to invite you this week to zoom out and ask that question, who do I want to become? And once you clarify that, then we go on to step two, which is this. Once I know who I want to become, I want to invest a chunk of my time in becoming that person. And this is really where the rubber hits the road because this whole exercise is not, it's not intellectually difficult, but it requires ferocious intentionality. So once I know who I want to become, that's when the calendar comes into play and I start blocking out in ink so it cannot be moved, blocking out in uneditable form on my, on my electronic device so it cannot be moved. I block out times to start to become that person because here's what we know. Just thinking I want to become a better person or a different person will not actually change anything because the rest of the world will not stop while I become the person God created me to be. The rest of the world is still screaming at me to be a husband, a wife, a mom, a dad, a student, a parent, a friend, a coworker. And if we're not careful, we as a culture are really bad at saying, intentionally saying no to good things so that we can say yes to great things. And if we're not careful, we'll end up saying yes to everything that's screaming loudly at us. We'll hit our margins. We won't have any space to work on becoming that person that we know we want to become. And down deep, we're going to feel like victims. And we wouldn't say it because we have good character, but we'll feel like victims. I'm a victim of my kids. I'm a victim of my spouse. I'm a victim of my church. I'm a victim of my volunteering. I'm a victim of that sport. I'm a victim of my job. See, everything else is screaming at me and it's taken all my time and now I'm a victim. And I want to tell you, there's good news. You are a victim. So you can feel like a victim because you are a victim. Here's what you're a victim of. You're a victim of not proactively deciding who you want to become this year and blocking it out on your calendar. 
And because we don't do it, we get filled up with a lot of good stuff that limits our ability to engage in the great stuff that God has planned for us. So who do I want to become? And then we start mapping it out. Here's what it looks like in real time. Maybe for you, you want to grow in friendships this year. You're just tired of surface relationships. You want to be authentic. You want to go deep with people. You want to have real relationships. If that's who you want to become this fall, then in a few weeks when we start promoting our life groups, you pick a life group and you mark that day and that time in ink on your calendar and you do not miss it because it's the context for which you can grow those friendships. If you're new to New Life, life groups are just groups of anywhere from 10 to 15 people who gather together every week with two things in mind. One, we want to grow relationally together. We want to form friendships together. And then two, we want to take a common journey together. So we take the message from Sunday, we write some questions, we dig into it, uh, we talk about it together, the things we're learning on Sunday, and we form friendships. That's what we do. So if you want to form friendships, join a life group. And the truth is, it could take two or three life groups before you find the group of friends that you actually want to engage with. That's okay. But once you find that group, you put it in ink, you make it uneditable, and then you stick to it. Maybe you want to become a more engaged husband or wife this fall. Here's what I would suggest you do. You put a date night on your calendar every week, and then we funnel resources towards that date night. We funnel money towards it for babysitting. We set aside money in our budget for it. We make sure we have time for it in our calendar, and we do not move it. Because I can tell you this, 20 date nights between now and Christmas might not make your marriage perfect, but it will get you a long way from where you are to becoming a more engaged spouse. Imagine 20 times just you and your spouse together for a few hours between now and Christmas. Imagine what that could do for your relationship. And I can tell you this, Maria and I, we really work at having regular date nights, at least every other week. But the times when it's not in ink on our calendar, it does not happen. Because it's hard to find a babysitter. It's, it's hard to find the money. We're exhausted at the end of the day, and we don't really want to do it. But the times that we put it on, in ink on our calendar and do it, it yields great benefit to our marriage. Who do you want to become? Make the space on your calendar. Maybe you want to become more biblically literate. Here's what you do. If you're a morning person, 15 minutes in the morning on your calendar. If you're an evening person, 15 minutes in the evening on your calendar to sit alone with God and read your Bible. I can't overemphasize what 15 minutes a day of reading your Bible could do in transforming your life. It's such a small investment of time, but small investments of time over time have life-changing results. If you want to know God more, I would say start in the Gospels. Those are the biographies of Jesus's life. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Start there because that teaches us who Jesus is. And the more we know Jesus, the more we want to trust him. The more we trust him, the more we want to follow him. And the more we follow him, the more he'll change our lives. So start in the Gospels, and just read 15 minutes a day. It could change your life, but put it in ink on your calendar. Maybe you want to become more healthy. By the way, how many of you like exercise? Yeah, yeah, you guys are, that's that's great. That's not me. That's not me. I do not like exercise, and yet I want to be healthy. I want to be healthy. My my chiropractor said to me after first service, she's like, you didn't give a shout out to me for helping you with your back. If you're listening, Michelle, you nailed it. My back feels really good. But she also told me to exercise, which is not my favorite thing. So I had to create chunks of time on my calendar or else it would not happen. Do you want to become more healthy? Do you want to live longer? Do you want to have a little more time with your family on this earth? Put it on your calendar. 
here's one that I believe is true for all of us. Because you're here right now. And because you're here right now, here's what I believe about you. I believe that in these next four months, you want to grow closer to God than you currently are. You want to be more engaged with God. I believe that when we get to Christmas, you want to look back on these last four months and say, boy, I, I knew God there and I love God there, but I know God and love God even more now. That's why we come to church. And because that's true about you, here's something that I want to challenge every single one of us to put on ink on our calendars. On Sunday morning, I want to challenge every single one of us to write down 8.30, 10, or 11.30 for church. Because church is one of the greatest places to get that injection of faith-energizing life. It's where we worship together. It's where we gather together. It's where we learn together. It's where we grow together. It's where friendships happen. I want to, I want to, boy, I can't overemphasize it. I want church to be on all of our calendars. I, I can't overemphasize it so much. I made my top five list of reasons why I think every single one of us should have church on our calendar in ink every week we're in town. And here it is. Number one, because Jesus, who is our Savior and our example, made it a practice of going to a worship service regularly. In one of those biographies called the book of Luke, in chapter four, it says this about Jesus. It says, Jesus went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue. That was kind of the local church gathering of his day. And I want you to underline this next part. As was his custom. He didn't wake up and flip a coin each week and say, should I go to church? He didn't stay up late and say, well, we'll see how we feel the night, the next morning. He made it a practice to gather regularly to worship. And boy, if Jesus, who is God in the flesh, made it a practice to gather weekly for worship, it's probably a safe bet that it'd be good for us. So that's my first reason. The second one is this. You never know when the Holy Spirit's going to tap you on the shoulder. If you've been in church for any period of time, you've had that Sunday where you've just thought, boy, did they have a microphone in my room last night? Because we were just having this conversation, and now we're talking about it at church. Or, or you've had that moment where you've just been thinking about something, digging into it, and wondering, uh, you know, had a question. And then we get to church on Sunday, and it's like, boy, that was for me. Or maybe a song comes on, and it just wrecks you. Have you ever had that moment where you're sitting in worship, and a song just wrecks you in a good way? And you're crying, and you don't know why, and you're snotting all over yourself, and you can't figure it out? Friends, that's the Holy Spirit tapping us on the shoulder. God promises that as we gather together, his spirit is working among us, convicting us and challenging us and encouraging us and bringing freedom in our lives. But here's the thing. We never know which Sunday that's going to happen. And how tragic if God had marked on his calendar to tap you on a shoulder, but your seat was empty on that Sunday. So why not just make it a practice that every time I'm in town, I'm going to be at church because I never know when God's Spirit is going to tap me. He's going to do that thing that's going to transform my life. The third reason is this, and this is for parents. It sets an example for our family. Moms and dads, our kids are looking a lot more to our actions than they are to our words when it comes to, to understanding how seriously they should take their faith. And when they see us make a practice of coming to church each week, it communicates to them that this is a value for our family. And it increases the chances that when they're adults, they will make those same choices. It doesn't, it doesn't eliminate their free will. It just increases the chances that they will have an active faith as adults when they see mom and dad making church a priority. The fourth one is this. It blesses and encourages other people. Because the truth is, church is not primarily about us as individuals. Church is about God about worshiping God, engaging with God, and churches about others. 
See, there are two types of people in this world. There are here I am people who walk into a room and sit down in a chair and say, here I am. If you want to come talk to me, here I am. Come on over. I'll be here waiting for you. And then there are there you are people who walk into a room and say, hey, there you are. I've been thinking about you. Hey, there you are. Good to see you. I've been praying for you this week. How are you doing? And listen, when we get into church, the New Testament invites us to be there you are people in the context of the church. God says the church is the place where we practice these things called one another's. Love one another, serve one another, care for one another, bear with one another's burdens, lift one another up, pray for one another. Church isn't primarily about what God's going to do in you, although that's a great byproduct of it. But it's also about what God wants to do through each of us as we become there you are people in the service. And the longer we're in church, the more we recognize that I'm not a consumer of Christianity. I am a participant in a community of faith. And so we come regularly because you never know who God's going to use you to encourage, to pray for. And you never know if your interaction with them will be the thing that changes their life. And the fifth is just this. This is just a really, really fun church right? I mean, come on. I might be a little biased, but this is a really fun church. Like, we work really hard. Yeah, you can clap or whatever if you want to. Spontaneous applause now. This is a very fun church. We laugh together. We try, you know, flash mobs together. Uh, We have special music to kind of capture our imagination. You never know if it's going to be the Sunday we give something away to you, that we do a flash mob, uh, that that Pastor Justin sings some boy band music or Vanilla Ice. You just never know. You never know which Sunday I'm going to come ziplining down from that room. I look every week at that room up there, and I think there's got to be, Lord Jesus, let there be a way that I can work ziplining down from that room up there onto the stage into a sermon. Jesus, give me a way before you come back. And you never know when that Sunday's going to be, but one day you're going to walk in, there's going to be a rope, and you guys right here are going to want to duck. And you don't want to miss that Sunday, that Sunday that everyone's talking about for years. Remember that? Remember that epic fail when Pastor Kevin's rope broke and he just collapsed? You don't want to miss that Sunday. This is a fun place to be. So those are my five reasons why, boy, I think every single one of us, because I know we want to grow with God this fall, should write down on Sundays, 8.30, 10, or 11.30, on our calendar in ink, on our electronic device, in an uneditable way. And unless we are out of town or sick, boy, I want us to make every effort this fall to be at church together. Can we do that? All right, fantastic. So we zoom out and we ask who I want to become. We block it out on our calendar. And then the third one is this. We want to inject relationship into that change process. God reminds us that it's in the context of relationships that transformation happens. Relationships give us encouragement. They challenge us. They help us to continue on when we don't want to do it. I've already admitted to you I'm not a huge fan of exercise, but I know it's a good thing to do. And so my wife and I, we just commit together. We're going to exercise five days a week. And she's more disciplined than me. So she's up at like 445 running on the elliptical and exercising. I know! I know. And then I wake up about 5.30 and she's already out of bed. And there are certain days when I set the alarm, I wake up at 5.30 and it's like, I do not want to get out of bed today. But I realize she's already up exercising. And I think, well, if she can do it, I guess I can do it. And I get going. But there are certain mornings where I wake up and she's laying in bed because she hits snooze. And then it's like, well, one day's not going to hurt. And I hit snooze. 
I'm telling you, injecting relationships into who we want to become could change our lives. If you want to get financially free this fall, if you want to get out of debt, find someone else on a similar journey. Ask them to partner with you. It will help you find success. That's how God designed it. Um, If you want to become more biblically literate, find a friend, find your spouse, find a housemate. Get on a Bible reading plan together. Have a time set up together where you sit down and read your Bible. It will go a long way in ensuring that you actually do it when life gets busy. So inject relationship. And then the fourth thing is this. We need to revisit the motivation on a regular basis. If you take this seriously, and I'm hoping that we all will, it's not going to be long before we lose the forest for the trees of our everyday lives. And we start thinking, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Is it really worth it? And those are the times when we need to zoom back out and ask that why question. Why am I doing this again? What's my goal for this fall? We just got to zoom out. I don't love exercising. And on those days when it's really hard to do, I go back to my why. And my why for exercising is this. My dad was a principal my entire life. And he was also my soccer coach growing up. And I have memories of my dad showing up in his shirt and tie and his dress shoes. And he would take off his dress shoes and put on running shoes and he'd flip his tie over his shoulder and he would run laps with us and he would go with us at soccer practice. And I thought to myself, when Maddie starts playing soccer, I want to be the kind of coach that doesn't just blow a whistle and send the team running. I want to be the kind of coach who has shoes on, who can run with the team. And let me tell you, those six-year-old girls can run. (laughs) And so I just knew I needed to exercise so I could be the dad I want to be. What's your why? You're going to have to revisit it often if you want to become that person. But imagine how different our lives could be if we started viewing our calendar as the second most sacred book we own. If we got intentional about our time, if we took Paul's words seriously and made the most of our moments, if we didn't let life just crowd in on us, but we made space in life to become the person that God wants us to be this fall. And so what I want to ask you to do is just dream a little bit. Before school starts, before things get busy, before the ball is rolling out of control, would you just take 15 minutes this week, zoom out, and ask with God, just ask, who do I want to become this fall? Who do I want to be? When I get to Christmas, who do I want to be? Addiction-free, debt-free? Do I want to be a better parent, a better spouse? Do I want to be more engaged with God? Who do I want to be? And then set that space to do it. Because if we do it, our calendar can be such a great tool that God can use. And it could change our lives. We can be different in four and a half months. Better. Better. More of who God made us to be. And here's the great thing about it. God wants to take this journey with us. God's not some distant deity who sits over here and says, hey, you better work it out. You better get better. God is like a personal heavenly father who walks with us on this journey and says, I love you right where you are, but oh boy, I've got some great stuff for you up there. So let's go together. God wants to walk on this journey with you and God gives us his spirit so that we can empower us to do the things that he's calling us to do this fall. But that only comes when we have a relationship with God. When we know God, not like some distant deity who we we come to church and sing a few songs to and give a few bucks to. But when we know God as our personal, powerful, all-loving, totally present Heavenly Father, who's walking through this life with us, who has forgiven us of our sins and who's filled us with His Holy Spirit so that we can, we can be empowered to live the life we were created to live. And if you're here today 
and you've never encountered God like that, I just want to challenge you that you've never actually encountered God because that's the God of the Bible. And I want to give you a chance this morning to enter into a personal relationship with God. Not your parents' relationship or your spouse's relationship, your own personal relationship with God where you know God as the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. And if you're ready to make that decision, partway through this prayer I'm going to say, I'm going to give you a chance to repeat a prayer to God where you would say, God, I'm done living by myself and for myself. I'm ready to live with you and for you. And God hears that prayer and answers it 100% of the time. And God will respond and God will enter into your life and God will lead you on this journey. And it's the greatest decision you could ever make. And if you're ready to make that decision, in just a second, I'm going to give you a chance to do that. But first, I want to pray for all of us as we head into this busy fall and this exciting time. So do join me as we pray. Lord, thank you so much that you actually create space in our lives and that this hour that we have together each week is part of that space to zoom out, to ask big questions about life and about faith and about community. And then you give us the ability to implement the things we're learning in our lives so that we can experience the freedom that you promise. And I I do, I ask on behalf of my friends that this fall would be a fall of transformation and change and joy and excitement and purpose. That for some of us, it would be the fall where we break addictions. Some of us, it would be a fall where marriages are saved. For some of us, it would be a fall where where we break the bondage of debt. For some of us, it would be a fall where we come to know you more deeply and understand your word more fully. I ask that this fall would be a fall of transformation, God. Would you help us to use our calendars to create space for you to do the work in our lives that I know you want to do? And as we continue to pray, if you're here and you're ready to make that decision to commit your life to God, you can repeat these simple words after me. You can say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you love me and that you gave your life to pay the penalty for my sin. And I want to have a relationship with you. So would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? And would you show me what it looks like to walk this life with you? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.